left my family. I left my kids. I left my nightclubs, my parking company, $35 million to fight the fight. And both families, Gambino and the Bonanno family, Joe Messina, the boss of the Bonanno family, I helped him against the guys who were ratting against him. He turned state evidence into worldwide. His underboss, Sal Vitale, came in and he ratted. The captain, Frankie Copa, he ratted. And alongside them, there was other guys in their family that ratted. Along with my family, the boss, John Gotti Jr., he ratted. Ronnie Warnham, you have the opening statement. He ratted. He said that I would kill him if he wasn't nice to me. After I tried to help him beat the case. Mikey Scars DeLonardo, John Gotti Jr.'s right-hand man. He ratted. Greg De Palma, another one of John Guy's made guys. He ratted. Fat Dom, another one of his made guys. He ratted. Mikey Scars had Joe, little Joey D'Angelo and John Jr. had him rat because they turned on him. He had nowhere to go. Another guy, Mikey Scars' brother, well, they, they buried him. So he had a flip. He had to come in. And I won't use the word rat for these guys because these guys were left in no man's land by all the captains, made guys giving these guys up one at a time. And we're live. Another edition of the Johnny and Gene Show. I'm Felix Levine. To my right, John Light, And to my far right, Gene Barello. And today we are joined by our guest, John Rubio. Thank you uh, for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. So uh, just a quick, you know, I think it's uh, due diligence to give you an opportunity to just give a quick background on who you are um, for the guests out there, for the people listening that aren't familiar with you, um, so we can just know a tiny bit about your story. Uh, well, I was... Uh... A Genovese associate. Basically, my whole life since I was 13, I started getting involved. Uh, I strayed a little bit, but in the end, I ended up back back there, and um, I ended up cooperating uh, about nine years ago. It's been about nine years now. Okay. I Jump. spent um, five years wearing a wire on the street, two years in jail, and uh, I'm home. I'm home for two years now, so that's the basic gist of it. Uh, John, like crime. John, I want to ask you, uh, who who were you on record with in the Genovese family? Who would you answer to? Patsy Perillo. Okay, out of the Bronx? Yeah, Arthur Avenue. Okay, all right. And what'd you do for him? Um, a lot of gambling. Uh, no bookmaking, just... Um, I got involved with a lot of... of um, you guys know, uh, if anybody else doesn't know, sharp professional sports bettors and Patsy helped me facilitate through threats or whatever intimidation, you know, getting them to give me their offshore betting accounts and I would monitor them, sit home and bet the same games. And we did very well for ourselves. Um, and basically it was gambling and you know, when I worked with the feds, you know, they introduced, you know, the cigarettes and everything. So that was more when I was cooperating. But when I was a criminal, a lot of sports gambling, you know, money, it was all money. I I wasn't part of the, the violence. I mean, he had enough of those guys and I made everybody there a lot of money, you know, a ton. 
you know, one of you, you mentioned Patsy, so I want to tell you one of the things you know that the show is about is about kids and people losing lives. And uh, no matter what, we don't want to see kids lose lives. And condolences also to Patsy for losing his son some years back. Yes. And uh, from what I understand, the guys, me being Albanian, some of the guys that, that were involved at killing his son were Albanian. Is that correct? Yeah, he um, when I was um, when I was younger. Um, I don't know if any, I'm sure you guys are familiar, but anybody listening, Patsy, um, slapped Frankie Loke's son. Tori. Um, yeah, he slapped him and, um, you know, by rights, I'm, I'm sure that he should have been punished more severe Patsy, but the punishment was that whoever was in charge at the time I was young, you know, they barred him from his restaurant for a month. So he set up shop in Bronxville, New York and Westchester. And um, soon thereafter, you know, they caught his son in the uh, literally one block behind the restaurant and, and they killed him. And, you know, it was an Albanian guy that killed him. And, you know, I, I don't think anything was ever proven that uh, uh, Frankie Loke is the one that hired them, but I mean, it was always assumed. And um, ever since then, he literally despised anybody that was Albanian and it was unfortunate for him because Arthur Avenue was full of, full of Albanians, but well, he wasn't very fond of them. Well, let me tell people that people that don't know who Fra Frankie Loke is. Frankie Locasio was the concierge Gambino family. He's currently doing life. He's got an appeal out. So the people that don't know and Tori is his son. Uh, right. So was there any of a kind of retaliate, by the way, can you slide to your right a little bit? Right sure. there. That's good. Right there. You had a little light on you. Was there any kind of retaliation uh, for when uh, Patsy's son got killed? Was anything done to retaliate against the Albanians against? And I know this answer, but I'm asking you sort of people to know this answer. Um, the short, the short abridged version of it is no. Um, however, you know, without getting into a, a whole lot of detail about it was because, it, you know, five years cooperating, I mean, seven days a week there's so many stories but there was one incident where um patsy had a lot of guys around him you know and not he didn't have any made men in in, in his restaurant and patsy never left his restaurant if, you know if you wanted to see him you came there and it always intrigued me that you know the genovese family is very quiet and i always felt like patsy was maybe a little bit of a higher rank than 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 what people let on to because he never left his bar stool. If, you know, if you wanted to see him, that's where you went. And he had guys around him and there was an incident when uh, somebody came back and reported him that they had found Victor in City Island. He opened up a restaurant and um, they were gonna kill him. So it's on, you know, I'm on tape, I'm recording, they're listening to this and at that point, as a cooperator, you have to try to stop it. I mean, that's, and it, and it goes far at your sentencing too, if you can, but so, you know, I don't know how familiar you guys are with Patsy, but he doesn't take advice, you know, from anybody. I mean, he's very strong-minded. He's not fun to be around. He's, he's miserable, <laughs> but um, typical, you know, old school wise guy, you know, there's no joking around, there's no fun. And, you know, I had to, you know, slowly sort of like integrate to him, like, this is the wrong move, you know, don't do that. They're gonna know it's you. 
and you know uh, eventually it died down but also at the same time the FBI legally went and went to City Island and warned Victor I mean there was there was a crazy plan that you know to try to get me up even higher what Patsy was you know but I don't think I never you know they're not going to tell me everything but they were going to make him die and then make him you know go into hiding and me run back in Patsy and tell him I killed him but it he was I don't know what Victor said but I don't think he was scared and he didn't leave City Island neither he stood at his restaurant so in an, in the end no no retaliation ever zero and and, and the reason why he asked you that and I know the Albanian mentality being Albanian I know that uh, they don't intimidate very easily and uh, and the idea of what I'm talking about so people understand is the treachery of this life. Uh, a guy gets killed, a young guy who happens to be uh, a wise guy's son, and the treachery is nothing's done about it. And I'm not advocating for anything to be done about it. I'm advocating for uh, this life's not worth what people think it is. It's glorified. And I'm going to talk about kids being killed. And Patsy could be miserable. Patsy could be a tough guy. Patsy could be a real gangster. Patsy might not be. I don't know him personally. But I know one thing. Uh, he'll never get over his son uh, dying. And I don't think any parent will. And, and that's the sad part about the life. And well, as, yeah, far, he... as far as the Albanians, uh, you know, same thing. Hopefully uh, for, for their life, nothing happens to them. And, you know, and he, I mean that from my heart. He changed. He changed drastically, you know, after after his son got killed and um, became a heavy heavy drinker. I mean, you know, he came, you know, he 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 set up shop every day in Rigoletto's, and you know, it wouldn't be a surprise for him to finish off five six bottles of wine every day, seven days a week. So he never really got over it, and you know, uh, his his daughter ended up having twins, and. I mean, there was pictures all over the restaurant of those, and I and I and I think that he was living his son through them, and you know, uh, it made it tough. You know, when everything ended, it you know, I I know how much he loved how loved those kids and everything, but the life is terrible. I mean, there there I can't say any anything good about the life. Uh, I I could honestly sit here and say that I don't I don't ever miss it. Like you know. You do legal things now and you always have that criminal criminal mind or everything. And I think it helps you in legitimate life, but I don't miss any of it. It was treachery. It was backstabbing. It was and and when I was when I was coming up or whatever, when I was really making money, everybody was chasing the same nickel. Right. I mean, it, it just it just wasn't worth it anymore. And when you came up with something, 90 guys wanted to get involved in it. So maybe a hundred thousand turned into a dollar. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it wasn't, it just, it's the worst possible life that I, any gang. And I'm not just talking about the mafia, any kid that's in a gang, get out. The, the end result is death, jail or misery. I mean, it's, it's just a life of misery. And, you know, I just want to let people know is that I worked with these people for, well, it's nine years now because I'm 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 on I'm on, uh, I'm on probation, so I'm still considered an active cooperator, you know, until that day is over. And you're not beating them, ever. Period. When the feds want you, you either run or cooperate or go to jail because they don't lose. 
and they'll go to any stretch that they can to end you. And they just don't like the mafia, period. End of story. They want it over. Right. So, uh, John, I want to ask you, was Pat, uh, Patsy was a big earner, right? He had, uh, was he a big earner? Or? He, he, he was a big earner. Uh, he was into a lot of construction and stuff like that. And, um, he was smart though. He, he bought a lot of property on Arthur Avenue. He, you know, he owned the restaurant outright. He owned three buildings on Arthur Avenue. I mean, he wasn't broke by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you know, he, he, he wasn't the type of guy that was going to let everybody know exactly what he was into, but well, yeah, he wasn't. I'm going to cut, cut you off, Sean, because I'm going to tell you something. And you guys know this, uh, the Albanians know it, that he'll never have a life again after that. doesn't matter how much money he has. doesn't matter oh. how much uh, he owns in property. It doesn't matter where his life is at. The happiness is gone. And again, I'm going to reiterate, that's where the message is to the kids out there and the parents out there and anybody else that brings their family into this life. There's pain on everybody's end of that. Uh, if you're the guy that's doing the work, if you're the guy receiving, getting killed, your family been being killed, and this is what we're talking about, just what you just brought up, that little story. His life is basically gone. It would have been better for him if they would have killed him, obviously. Oh, so absolutely. he's not going through the pain he's going through. But... Uh, we just want to show how there is no winning here for anybody, and and that's what the show's about for the kids to listen yeah, to, the there reality. Is, there is absolutely zero pluses to being in in any sort of organized crime. I don't care if it's Italians, Bloods, Crips, anybody. It's just, I mean, I I, I mean, listen, I, I had power. I mean, you know, in that area. I mean, I you know, I walked around. Everybody knew I was with him, you know, a million, you listen, a million guys wanted to slap me, beat the shit out of me, but, you know, I, I carried weight and I was miserable. I, I mean, I was never home. My kids, my wife, I mean, I'm, I'm married 20 years. I mean, my wife's a saint. I was never home. You know, I was, I was leaving. Sometimes I didn't come back for four days. I spent hours upon hours in that restaurant. Sometimes his rule was you sat there until he decided to leave and then you could leave. You know, you, you know, if you left, you better had to have a good excuse why you left. And sometimes there wasn't a thing going on. You're just sitting there. And it was a miserable life. It was a grind. It, you know, it just, it sucked. I'm, I'm so much, my life is so much happier now that it's over. I mean, you know, was this the way I envisioned it being over? No, but I'm happy again. I, I, I just, I, I live a normal life. I mean, I, I just... I don't wish that on anybody. I mean, I don't wish that. On, and it, listen, let's be honest. We all know that anybody getting into the mafia now <laughs> is a fool. Yes. I mean, it, it's a, it's the fool. Nobody, everybody's telling on everybody. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no safe haven anymore there. It's just not like the way it used to be. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll mention one guy and I don't know how far in detail you want to get about him, but Joey Merlino every day, for three years told me he's been telling people for 10 years that this life is over. And, and, and this is a powerful person saying that, I mean, it, it's over. I was going to ask you, know? you, how'd you get, I was going to ask you, how'd you get involved with Joey Molina? I was going to ask you that. How'd that come about? Well, uh, I was, th this started out as, as really, you know, 
cooperate, you know, my original handler said, you know, maybe six months. And well, anyway, it started to take off. And well, you know, the end result turned into five years, unfortunately, but um, they couldn't keep up with me anymore. I mean, I, I was everywhere. I mean, I, I was, I was doing business with Stevie Korea. I was doing business with, with the bananas. I tell, was, tell people who Stevie Korea is so they know. Stevie Korea is the underboss of the Lucchese crime family who just recently got convicted of murder. Um, so I was doing business with all these guys, uh, a couple of banana guys uh, from, from Westchester County, from the Bronx, um, and they just couldn't keep up. And I had went and visit my parents in Florida. They had a summer home there and I loved it. You know, I never had spent a whole week in Florida. So I came back, you know, jokingly and I told my handler, I want to move to Florida. And he said, oh, you, you're crazy. You're a cooperator. You can't, you can't leave here. So about a week later, he says, listen, I can't keep up with you anymore. I'm the only one listening to these recordings. I, I can't listen to them fast enough. You can move. So I rented a place in Florida and I had to get it approved by Patsy first. You know, I, I couldn't just leave. I had to ask him if it was okay to leave. So he said, okay. And he hooked me up with a couple of guys there and his, his, his right-hand man, his henchman there was a guy named Buddy Torres. Uh, I don't know if anybody's familiar with him, but. Buddy was a tough guy. He, oh yeah. Certified tough guy. Uh, he, he ran Florida back in the eighties and everything. And then he was Stevie Korea's right-hand man. He was not Italian, but Stevie considered him made in the Lucchese crime family before they had a fallen out. He was able to sit down with other guys and everything. But he told me, listen, hook up with this kid, Joey Molino. You know, you'll make money with him. So it was funny. The next day, Patsy calls me over. I'm ready to, you know, ship out. And he says, listen, do me a favor. Stay away from Joey Molino. Patsy don't want any attention. He doesn't want nobody. To, he doesn't want attention. He said, listen, this guy's got an entourage around him all the time. He loves the spotlight. Do me a favor. Stay away from him. Well, obviously, I'm working for the FBI. That's impossible. So to answer you, a long story short, Gene, I, I made my way to a, a place on in Delray Beach where I knew he was going to be. Somebody introduced me as being with Patsy for over 20 years. And the rest is history. He, he took a liking to me. And uh, before I, you know, we were doing business. Can and, I ask you uh, one thing, John? Sure. The Philadelphia mob now there's like nothing there's like five guys I, I the mob the philadelphia mob is like a joke almost but i'm saying what exactly is his role he's the boss of five guys like i don't understand like what is his thing he, he like what is his whole concept i know he loves the spotlight i know he i know he's a gangster i know he is a bad guy but what is his actual role he's the boss of the philadelphia mob today answered what what is his role like what is he doing he just walks around people take pictures of him like that's his thing i mean well, I, I mean, I give you, I'll give you a little brief history. You know, when I before I left, you know, Buddy had told me, "Listen, this guy's," and Buddy's in the know. I mean, listen, there's no two ways about it. B Buddy Torres is in the know. He was doing business with Philadelphia, a lot of construction stuff and everything with George. He was very close with George Borghese. Um, he told me he's the boss of the crime family. Period. That's what he said. Now of, of ten I mean, guys. Well, yeah, I don't even know if it's that many. <laughs> to be honest, I mean. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, I met two, I met two guys. I mean, yeah. that's it. I mean, and, uh, you know, at trial, you know, that was a big thing that they fought that. And, you know, Judge Sullivan said that he didn't believe that he was, but I know he is. I mean, right. listen, 
I lived with him. I mean, I lived, I lived a life with him. I spent seven days a week with him for three years. He used to text me at least 50 times a day. I mean, he's a degenerate gambler. It was all about sports gambling. Right. But listen, whatever came out of trial, I lived it. I know the truth. And no defense attorney stumped me and I didn't stutter once. And I didn't, I know I lived it with him. I know what he did. So, and listen, I don't, I don't care whether he went to jail or not. I had to testify no matter whether he went to jail or not, but um, yeah, I met Dominic Grande and I met George Borghese and that's about it. I mean, I, I'm not really quite sure. He's very, very friendly. There's a lot of bananas in Florida and there's a couple of Gambinos. He is very, very close with Daniel Marino the son. Very, very close. Danny, Danny came to Florida often and spent a lot of time with him. So maybe he's doing business with them or anything. I mean, listen, well, Danny's, listen, don't get me wrong. Danny's. Yeah. Yeah. I don't notice him like that, but he's a soft kid. He's not a street guy. He's yeah, comes from a father guy. was a moneymaker. And uh, yeah. he was, you know, part of the hierarchy of the Gambino family, obviously. Yeah. And he was, uh, uh and he was just, like you said, he was a gentleman. I never had a problem with Danny. I mean, he was always nice. I mean, but he was a normal guy to me. But you know, here's uh, the difference. Danny has a couple of bucks. He makes money. His father oh, yeah. was a big earner. Yeah. What are what these guys doing for a living? How are they earning? How, what, what Are they into uh, legitimate business? What, what what were they doing for a living? Are yeah. we talking about Florida now? or Florida, or Philadelphia. But in, in general. In general Philadelphia, the, the, the Philadelphia was doing... Florida was big on... I don't know how much you read about the trial was big on the pain cream. I don't know if you remember when that was popular about five years ago, there was this topical pain cream that was, it was, it was a gimmick and they came up with this thing where they were billing insurance companies four or 5,000 a tube. So basically what we were doing out there is it's kind of a wall we, street scam, but like a yeah. pump and dump, but just with a cream with an actual product. Right. We were getting doctors, the, the whole idea was how it was presented to me was go get doctors to just prescribe this pain cream. And every time they do, and the insurance company pr approves it, you're getting 800 bucks. So, I mean, this was, this was a no brainer. I mean, you know, this was a no brainer. I mean, this was, this was the big thing. And so that was a big part of the case in Florida, you know, the pain cream and the fraud and everything. And as it turns out, you know, I think, when my indictments came down, I think there was a big, big indictment with a lot of guys from Florida that ended up getting some serious time with this thing. I mean, it ended up to be like a hundred million dollar scam that ended up, but uh, you know, there were so many recordings and text messages of Joey telling me what to do, where to go, who to see and everything. And Somehow or the other, I mean, whatever, either his defense team or the jury, I mean, they just didn't see it. But he was an intricate part of he, – he became very wealthy off that pain cream because Brad Serkin was the guy, main guy in Boca. He had the biggest compound pharmacy in Boca Raton, and that was Joey's previous driver from years ago and eventually partner. So, you know, he made a lot of money. I gave – listen, the FBI gave him a lot of money with him thinking – that it was coming from illegal doctors. So, you know, it was on tape. He took the money. Did this guy so, go to prison, the other guy? The uh, driver? Brad Serkin went to prison for five years. I read that he had just gotten released to a halfway house, yeah. Brad Serkin was a big player in that game. And Florida uh, is really strict. Florida <laughs> is super strict out there. I don't know if he's no. Florida, their guidelines and their rules are really bad. 
You don't want to mess around in Florida, I'll tell you that much. Hey, John, oh. I, have, I have a question for you. Sure. How does, uh, I mean, for people out there and people that don't know that much about the mafia and, you know, cooperation, stuff like that, how does federal cooperation work or at least work for you? How are you approached? And then once you kind of accept it, I don't know if that's how it works, then, you know, I guess talk to us a little bit about the, the process and the experience of wearing a wire for that long. I mean, I can imagine it's a bit stressful. Yeah, well, I had a, I had a semi conversation with John earlier about this, and uh, I um, unbeknownst to me, I was under investigation for about three years before they got me. And um, for what? Uh, well, drug. I was selling drugs, um, and um, you know, and not not what you think. I mean, I was a you know a three for a hundred guy, forty. You know, I mean, but I had a lot of customers, but. That's beside, I was under investigation. Patsy had, um, there was there was a panhandler on, on Arthur Avenue who was bothering the old ladies and everything. And Patsy was the guy that they went to to complain. So he sent me and uh, a, a, another one of his henchmen who you know passed away, Ronnie the Beast, Mastro Vincenzo. Uh, he's got a, he's got quite a bit of, he did quite a bit of work that's the he was in the purple gang, wasn't he? Yes. The beast. All right. Yeah. yeah My father knew him. Yeah. Yeah. The beast, Master Vincenzo. Yeah. I mean, um, so um, we we found the guy one day, and you know, we're chase. You know, I wasn't even supposed to go. To be honest with you, Ronnie dragged me. Uh, a little history about Ronnie. The reason why he never got made was he couldn't shut the fuck up. I mean, period. Phone. He was like. You whatever he whatever crimes he committed, he let four hundred people know ten minutes after he committed it. So I wasn't even supposed to go, but I went. Ronnie dragged me. We find the guy. Ronnie was at that point five hundred pounds out of shape. I mean, but if you saw pictures of him when he was in his prime, I mean, he was an Adonis. I mean, he could fight, but no more. So he couldn't catch the guy. He couldn't breathe. So I started running after the guy, and we end up in the guy goes through Umberto's on Arthur Avenue, and everybody's screaming. Don't do nothing in there. Don't do anything there. I mean, you know, that would have been an insult to the to the owner, you know, wise guy. So he gets away. So Ronnie calls me the next morning and um, let's drive around. It's Sunday. So we're driving around. I mean, this is a funny story. We find the guy. He's in front of a deli on Arthur Avenue, right by the 7-Eleven. So I jump, I, I just stop the car, jump out, go in the go in the deli. And I mean, basically I'm hitting this guy with everything I could get my, my hands on. I, I'm not a fighter and I never claimed to be. I, I cans, jars, whatever. <laughs> I can't, get this guy. I can't get this guy. I'm getting gravy on me, all the stuff from the olive cans. I'm drenched. I can't get this guy down. I mean, finally I must've caught the right can and I knock him cold. And I'm looking around and I can't find Ronnie. He's nowhere to be found. So I'm, I'm getting ready to run out now. And the owner grabs me, I had a hoodie on. The owner grabs me by the hoodie and he's telling his wife, call the cops. So, I mean, at that point, I'm all right, so I'm, I'm in trouble. Well, here comes Ronnie. He knocks the guy cold that has me by the hood. And just so he could say he did something, he kicks the guy in the face. The guy's out cold about five times mm -hmm. and, and, and shit is coming out of him and everything. And I'm saying, we get out of there. So I'm in the car. Now I'm going 100. I'm, I just got to get home. I got to shower. I got to get rid of the clothes. What happened, Ronnie? You motherfucker. 
I couldn't get out of the car. You double parked too close to the other car. He was so fat, he couldn't get out of the car. <laughs> so he finally must have got out through my side. And luckily at the right time, he got me out of there. So about three hours later, I'm going to my card game and it was across the street from a bowling alley. I mean, that's another story how we ended up. I was par partners with Patsy in that card game. Um, and I'm parked on private property, you know, because Patsy arranged with the bowling alley owner that you really don't have any say so we're letting our customers park in your lot. And, and that was the end of it. So a squad car comes up and, um, you know, and I, I'm sitting there talking to my father. He just passed, happened to pass by. He's in his car. And the guy says, well, you know, we got to tow this. A tow for what? Tickets. I said, listen, I never got a ticket ever. I don't have any tickets. Got to We got to tow it. It's a misunderstanding. Don't worry about it. I said, listen, I'm on private property. You're not towing anything. He says, listen, we're towing it. So they tow it. So now I tell my father, listen, drive me home. I, only, I lived in Scarsdale. I wasn't that far away. So I'm, I'm driving up. I'm on a cul-de-sac and I see a car. Taurus, blacked out. All right, it's one. Go a little further, there's another one. Go a little further, there's another one. I tell my father, listen, I'm going to jail. You know, my wife, you know, I just have a newborn, my wife's home. Well, you don't know what you're talking about. Just go get your car. So I go in my house. At the On the circle of the cul-de-sac is a Dodge Charger. So I know what's coming. So I call my dealer up and I say, Danny, listen, come and pick me up. I don't want to leave with my car. So he shows up about 15 minutes later. And I said, all right, listen, we got to take our chance. Let's go. No sooner did he open the garage, open the car door, 60 or 70 guys. No feds, though. Westchester County DA, organized crime task force, state, state, New York State police. I mean, they're all over the place. Guns out, get on the floor. No, get on the floor. So they take me in. And I, I literally sat there in an interview room for 14 hours. They're begging me, give me anything, give me anything. No, take me to jail. I, I don't have anything to say. I, I've been playing cards for three days. I want to go to sleep. Take me to Valhalla. I'm done here. And hours and hours and hours and hours. And I hear now they must have got Ronnie because he's so fucking loud. I hear him in the next interview room telling them how he works out. I mean, it, it was crazy. So... Uh, <laughs> And they're telling me, listen, we got your wife in the other room. And I don't believe them. I left my wife at home. I was in the squad car. So about 14 hours later, the guy comes in, gives me the Ziploc bag and says, you know, you're free to go. I said, oh, okay. So I'm getting on the elevator. Now here comes Ronnie. And I push the thing and the door opens and here comes my wife. And the guy says to her, I told you he's a scumbag. He was going to leave you here. I didn't even know she was there. I mean, you know, I haven't lived that down since this day. Just, you know, so, you know, I hear about it all the time, but I didn't know she was there. So unbeknownst to me, the feds made them make me leave. It, they weren't ready. So a month later, long story short, I pull out of my house. I'm, I'm, I'm like halfway around the block and there's three cars block me in. They drag me out of my car, throw me in a car. Another guy gets in my car and we're gone. And they take me to a, a hotel on Executive Boulevard in Yonkers. And I mean, they bring me in a big conference room. There's like 50 guys there and agents and everything. And, you know, they said, listen, here's statements from nine cooperators. 
we have you. He said, and here's the indictment that we're going to arrest you on, conspiracy, the, the drug conspiracy, mandatory minimum 20 years. And now they start playing tapes on, a, on an MP3 player of all my con phone conversations, drug deals, this, that, and the other thing. So basically at that point, you know, and in between that, I, I, I don't want to go on a tangent. Patsy abandoned me after that assault. They took all my cars. When I went home that night, when they finally let me out, there was a warrant on my dining room table. They took everything. They took all my cars for evidence, all the money that was in the house, everything. I had nothing. He barred me from the restaurant. I had to hire Murray Richmond. I had to go borrow money from my father, hire, hire Murray Richmond at 15 grand, try to at least get some of my possessions back. And he gave me not a penny, not a dollar, zero and barred me from Arthur Avenue. I had a, If I had to get a message to him, I had to meet somebody in a corner someplace, and it was just crazy. What did he tell you, so, too hot? Too hot, and you know, he sent word through Buddy and Anthony Zinzi. You know, he's a little broke right now. As soon as he gets on his feet, he'll give you something for the lawyer. So I got I got shit. I, I, I paid my father back eventually the 15,000, but I got nothing and I got barred. And at the time, I had, I think I was telling this to Gene a couple months ago, I had hooked up with a banana guy and he was begging to straighten me, straighten me out. And he went to Patsy and Patsy said, no, no go, you, you can't have him. So that that's just a, a mediocre thing, but I couldn't do anything. I couldn't earn, I couldn't do nothing. He, he, he had my hands tied. So I'm sitting there and I'm saying, you know, keep in mind now I sat, I sat in an interview room for 14 hours. Now I'm saying to myself, these guys came within three hours. We killed this guy. And I was ready to go to jail. I was ready. I told them, take me to jail. I'm not saying, I have nothing to say. Give me a lawyer or take me to Valhalla. I'm done here. So 14 hours, I'm sitting there thinking that we killed this guy. I mean, he wasn't moving. And then Ronnie kicked him in the head three times with steel toe. So I'm saying, All right, I killed this guy. I'm going to jail for murder. But I wasn't going to say anything. But then when I was in that conference room, I'm saying, this fucking guy left me for, for a simple assault. I mean, he abandoned me, barred me from the restaurant, barred me. I couldn't earn anything. Sure. Didn't help me with the lawyer. What? Well, what let me let me stop you here. Yeah. What made you believe that he was going to help you when he never did anything when someone killed his son? And that's his son. And it doesn't matter what anything about... Um, saying that people knew that he might do it or any other thing. There was no retaliation for his own son dying. And I'm not saying he didn't love his son. I'm not saying he wasn't sad about his son. But what I'm saying is, because I want people out there to understand, this is the life. His own son, he forgot about. And he can, he can, you know, be sad over. He could be in mourning for the rest of his life. But there was no retaliation from a gangster. I'm not talking about a regular guy that's on the street. A regular guy, that's what you're supposed to do, right? But you're a guy that's dedicated to the mob, supposed to be a tough guy. So your belief is so warped, is what I'm getting at, to believe, and, I'm not, and again, I'm not trying to instigate somebody killing somebody, but wow, I'm trying for people to get the understanding of how this life manipulates other people. Because regardless, he never did anything about his son getting killed. And, Life went on. and I know Albanians are tough guys because I'm an Albanian. I understand that mentality. I understand if he tried to go after them, they'll go kill him anyway. So, yeah. But that's still his son. 
And if he didn't have the loyalty to do that, he's a gangster, supposed to be a tough guy. What made you really believe this is, you got to really think about this, that you were going to be any different to him? Well, I've, I've often thought about that. And I, and I thought that you might ask me that. So the God's honest truth and it, you know, it's people are going to say this and it's embarrassing to admit it, but I idolized him. No, it's, that's not embarrassing to say. I did the I mean, same I, thing. I mean, that's all right. I, I idolized him. Yeah. I, I, I idolized him. I mean, from when I was 13 years old, I got in, in trouble with a Shylock because I was a degenerate. You know, I was gambling. Well, let me I stop was... you. Let me let me stop you again. I don't mean to cut you off because I want people to say, because you just knocked the shit out of yourself. The reason why you idolized him, and this is the part, and you love your dad. Your dad was in the street his whole life. Yeah, all life. So this is what you were brought up around, right. just like the rest of us right. and all the yeah. million kids. And we learned to follow the street instead of following a legitimate businessman or somebody, whether you like him or not, you're wearing Donald Trump's hat, president. Instead of following people like this, we follow and we grow up around street guys. So yeah. it's not unusual that you are looking up to a guy that your father was very close with as, as a kid. So there's nothing unusual about that. But the people well, out there I mean, don't know why. So that's why I brought it up. It, it, it's... You know, maybe like Gene said, maybe it is embarrassing because I, my kids are going to eventually find out that these, I don't want them idolizing people like this. I, I don't want the, I mean, I did. And I started idolizing him at a very, very young age. When I was 13 years old, you know, to make a long story short, I borrowed money from a Shylock. I couldn't pay him. Obviously, I'm 13. Um, he threatened me. So my father, was best friends with Patsy. I mean, their whole life. My father had the most number stores in the Bronx. I mean, my father was one of the most well-respected people on the street. Patsy loved him. So my father took me to Patsy at 13. Now I'm sitting at a, at a table in his restaurant at 13. And, you know, my father's telling him the story, you know, the guy, my, you know, my son fucked up, he, but the guy's threatening him. So Patsy, you know, he digests things very, you know, he's a scary dude to sit with, man. He's a really scary dude. And he digests it and he said, y young man. But here's he, again, he, he wasn't scary enough for whether it was Victor or anybody else. Right. So right. again, there's a million tough guys on the street. And I'm not yes. saying that kid, uh, that the guy did it. Victor, so I'm going to say that too, because I don't know who did it. I don't, know who, I don't know who did it neither. But anybody, whoever did it, wasn't right. too afraid of him. And that's this life, and I want to say right. something else. A 14-year-old kid can pull that trigger. Oh, so, yeah. So for people that don't understand what's out there, the respect goes as far as one bullet. And I don't, one. And I don't even think uh, Frankie Locke would pay Albanians to kill his son. I, I, I don't even think that's... Well, I mean, uh, listen, I don't want to... I don't wanna, even believe that story. I don't, they usually don't attack God, kids, uh, you God, know, people's God sons. Rest, God rest the kid's soul, Gene. I mean, nobody deserves to get killed over anything, even right. if their father did it. But I will tell you this little tidbit that I was never able to prove because I didn't know him. I didn't know the kid. I did hear that he was not a very nice kid. How old was he when he died? About? 18 or 19 years old. And he yeah. was very cocky because at that point, his father was running things. I mean, you know, he was in, you know, that, that was his street. I mean, Westchester was his, you know, so. Does that, and there is a rumor that these two had words previous to that, nothing about Frankie Logue. So we don't, 
nobody really knows the story. Right. You know, nobody could prove Frankie Lokes sent these guys. But regardless, John, you know, hit the nail on the head. There was what would make me think that this guy, I'm not his blood. What was he, you know, what, what made me think that he was ever going to, and, and in the end, you know, you find out that, you know, and I want, I, I really want to get this message across because it took me years, three years working, working as a cooperator of them telling me, listen, these people don't like you. They don't like you. They're using you. And I kept saying, no, Patsy's, he's like a father to me. I mean, he does every, you know, I, if I have to have a sit down, he, I win them all the time. I always win. Well, you're making the money. Say, of course he's right. going to protect you. <laughs> he doesn't like you. Right. And towards the end of the investigation, I realized that he didn't give a shit whether I lived or died. This is before he knew I told on him. He, you know, because they wanted nothing to do with him at the end. They were finished with him. They had enough. So they said, you're not going there no more. Just disappear. He never called. He, he never called. Where are you? How are you? Are you alive? You're dead. Never heard from him. Because there was no more money. Right. They don't care. They just don't care about you. You're as good as your last earn. And that's it. Or in other people's cases that, that are doing the violence for them, you're as good as the last guy you gave a beating to or killed. If they don't need you, you're dead. You're done. You, they don't exist to you. They don't have any heart. They, they lack feeling. That's it. That's just the way it is. And that's the way I feel. It took me a long time to realize it. I mean, I really thought that this guy loved me. Oh, no! I live the same. I live the same way as you, buddy. My yeah. the guy I looked up to wouldn't even give his first cousin money for his lawyer, and this yeah. guy is his captain. He told him, "Oh, guy's making fifty thousand a week. Won't give him a dollar for his lawyer." So that goes to show you they don't care. We had to pay for Jerry Sarah's lawyer because his own nephew, his own cousin, won't give him a dollar. That's how and they John, are. And, and and both you, John and Gene, I I can't begin to tell you. Listen. Yous were both big earners, I know. But I can't begin to tell you the amount of money before I cooperated that I gave him. And I can't begin to tell you how much money the government gave him. Supposed tributes. And, you know, it was just expected. You know, it was just expected. And, you know, I've got, I got messages like, you know, Patsy said, you know, why was the Christmas package so small? You know. He had no shame. Like, he wasn't even embarrassed to let you know that, you know, you weren't given enough money. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's treacherous. I mean, it's just a treacherous life. I mean, I was never involved in the Bloods, the Crips, but I can't imagine it's any better. The Mafia is brutal. Well, the business world is treacherous. Legitimate business world is treacherous. So what do you right. think you're going to get from the street? You know, I had guys that were around me, bunch of guys, didn't, what, couldn't make two cents. So they loved me because I made them all money, right? I made them all rich. Well, when I went to prison, they all either stole from me or ran away or cooperated against me. That's just the life of the street. The reality of that of breaking the cycle, teaching your kids, us teaching other kids, uh, Felix, uh, one of the interests why people wonder why he sat in on this, because we discussed the message. The message is to break the cycle for kids and, yeah. uh, and, and explain to kids that, you know, we're gonna give you real stories from different people involved in either robberies, bookmaking, killing, Wall Street, uh, MS-13s, everything we're bringing to everybody, you know, bloods. It doesn't matter, Latin Kings, a friend of mine, Chuck, that did the show. And, and the same thing is for all of us, for all the politicians, all the ball players, anybody who lives in the inner cities is to tell them, listen, this, this life uh, doesn't last very long. There's, there is no loyalty. Uh, do the right thing, take the right path, and uh, go to school, go to work. 
and uh, follow uh, positive uh, people, not absolutely. not this negative stuff. Absolutely. I mean, this is the first interview I've done, and if it's the first and the last, I I really I really want kids to know, even adults. I mean, even if you're an adult, I mean, you got to get out of this. I mean, yeah, maybe you maybe you'll go broke for a while. Maybe you won't earn. Maybe you won't have the power. But there's you will not win. You just won't win. You're going to die in jail, die on the streets, or go to jail for a long time. It's just, it's just not worth it. I mean, and I feel bad for these kids because, you know something, the higher-ups, these younger kids, they idolize them, and they don't give – it's the same situation that we've all – they don't give a damn. <laughs> they don't care about these kids. Right. I mean, it just sticks for them, you know, and beating sticks. I mean, do this. Go get this for me. Kill this guy. Beat this. It's a joke. Joke. Hey, hey John, I have a, I have a question for you. Sure. So, um, one like talk about like a, the daily I don't know routine of when you're cooperating, like what and what a wire looks like during that time period. I know it's developed over the years, um, and what that what your interaction then with uh, you know the feds is like, how that whole thing kind of works. Because I don't think you know I mean we see like movies and people wear wires what that looks like in the movies, but we don't know what it looks like in reality. Um, all right. Well, the wire question, you're going to have to wait till June 29th <laughs> okay. for me to answer that because I can't, I mean, it, it's like what, what I can tell you about the wires is, is you would never know I had it on. You could pat me down. You could strip me naked. You weren't going to find it. It was, Embedded in clothing, it, wow. I maybe, thought you were going to say it was embedded up your ass. No, <laughs> so they ain't going to find it there. No, it's embedded. I got to joke a little, make a little fun. Yeah, I, yeah, no, it's 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 truly remarkable. And we're going back now. What I mean, I've been jail two years, home two years. We're going back <laughs> six, seven years ago, and who knows what they have now? But I've used some intri intricate intricate devices right. um well put it like this when they want you they want you there's no stopping right. them unlimited and, resources and they just don't stop and a daily a daily day uh with them is wasn't wasn't too great between me and them um you know uh uh we didn't get along i mean I, I, that's the best i could put it we didn't get along i was well you actually worked for a long time then i didn't realize you were doing this for this long and you still did two years in prison and the guy that was involved with the drugs with joey molino and the thing he only did five years so actually well, he cut some deal himself was he a cooperator or no no well uh uh more back to felix um you know and 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 to ingrain your question is is um I almost ruined the case, and I, I regret it. I mean, listen, I'm not here to brag about it. Uh, you know, it's another. It was another mistake in my life that you know, I just couldn't get over it. But that that case was, I mean, over 150. It was supposed to be over 150 indictments. And if you if you if you did any research, or I could tell you that most people didn't get a lot of time because of that, and that's because. I fucked up. I mean, I kept, I almost, I almost felt like I could be a better criminal because I worked for them because I knew they weren't watching me. I knew that, I mean, I was committing more crimes when I was working for them than 
when when I was on the street and they were paying me, they were paying me $15,000 a month and I was making another $15,000 a month committing crimes. You were getting so, 15,000 a month? Yeah, and you know, that's another thing that I, I, I'm glad that you brought that up is- I didn't bring it up, but you- <laughs> well, I brought it up, well, I mean, well, no, you asked me about it. So I'll tell you that, you know, on the stand and um, my friend that we've spoke to, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mention his name, that you know, continues to slander me and doesn't know his ass from his elbow. Um, he, he keeps saying how much you get paid. Well, now people have to take this into consideration and this will also help answer Felix's question is when you get caught and you're a criminal like I was, I had a lot of money. My house bills alone were 8,000 a month. I had four cars and I was living in Scarsdale. Right. So now you can't just the feds can't just move you into a shack at that point. You got to continue to live the lifestyle. You have to look good. When they took so all that, my they, money, I didn't get no lifestyle. <laughs> they just took it. Well, they, yeah. So that eight eight thousand of that fifteen thousand that they were paying me a month were just to pay my house bills because you have to give them an you have to give them copies of all your bills. So, and the other seven thousand was for them to put me on the streets and continue to buy dinners, com continue to buy drinks. So, and it's taxable. So this guy goes on there and tells people, this piece of shit getting 50. I, I didn't profit a penny off of that. I used it to pay my bills because I couldn't be a criminal anymore. And I had to do their dirty work, pay for dinners and everything. It's not what he makes it out to be, this guy. You're not getting- What well, I'm saying who this guy is, is he a big earner, the guy? Does he have a lot of money? He's a jerk off. Uh -huh. No, he has nothing. He's a homeless he guy. He looks homeless. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, he looks homeless, yeah. Yeah, he looks yeah. homeless. Um, you know, he's he's been doing this whatever racket he's been doing, and uh, for eight, ten years, and I think he's got six hundred people that follow him. I mean, uh, <laughs> on on Instagram and Twitter. I mean, he's all right. We we'll get mean, off the air. I want to know who you're talking about. I won't ask yeah, on the air because you're not saying I, his name. I have also, uh, but, but you know, to answer, you know, that's a, I I mangled the case. I mean, I I literally mangled the case. I mean, uh. I I deserved I deserved more than two years. I mean, and that's why they put me in jail. I stood home for eight months after the case was over, and I was always told no judge in the world could ever put you in jail after what you've done here for six years. But little did little did I know that I'm lucky I even had an agreement, John. I mean, I, it should have been ripped. I mean, I completely. Your case was out of where? New York, right? Southern District. Southern, Southern and, District. And I, and John, quick question yeah. for you. Uh, how's it work also? I mean, uh, you know, you mentioned your wife and how, I mean, does, what does that do for your family when you're cooperating? I mean, do they have, does she, she's aware of everything? Do they inform her? Do they, is she, I mean, how's that work? No, but I told her the day I got caught because oh. I mean, I'm a fortunate person that, you know, 20 years married and she knew from day one when I decided made that decision and you know the, you I, ever watch the honeymooners she knew yeah. from day one she was getting the worst of it yeah she knew <laughs> yeah, she, she got the worst of it for sure hey, hey John you didn't get along with your prosecutors and your agents I got along with mine really good I had good prosecutors, prosecutors? and agents yeah you didn't get along with them um I I'm voted most hated hated witness <laughs> by the pros and this is the truth this really? is an office thing oh they love me they my prosecutors to, they had to <laughs> They had to take, there was five prosecutors. They had to take them off the case and put somebody else on because it was war. 
I mean, I had all women. Not that I'm knocking women, but so did I. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, no, it, it didn't. It didn't go <laughs> over very well. And yeah. um, so happened. I happened to get uh, when the truck. You know, when the trial started, or well, we're prepping. I got probably w the luckiest thing I could have ever got. I got a guy that was just aces, and he got he got me time served. I mean, he he took abuse at my sentencing. Abuse. It was nothing about my sentencing. He just, it, and Judge Sullivan, I thought was a really fair judge and everything, but very strict. And it wasn't really about my sentencing that day. I mean, he used that opportunity to abuse the prosecutor. Right. Uh, he was dead set against not retrying Joey. Dead set. He, he said, we, you know, they wasted the government's time. They wasted people's time. And it, it was it was a complete bashing and and his only answer to him every time he got bashed was that mr rubio when a, you know, he just kept praising me praising me praising me who was you know, who went, was joey's lawyer at that time jacobs yeah. and Mer merlingo oh merlingo merlingo was also hired, john, john Gotti he hired, Jr.'s Mer lawyer. he hired merlingo after the fact but jacobs yeah, but has been jacobs has been his lawyer from the beginning of time. Well, I, I know who Jacobs is, but obviously I'm familiar with Moringo because he's a great attorney, actually. He's a top attorney. He he defended uh, John Gotti Jr. So yeah, he, uh, uh, I'm going to reach out to him and try to get him on this show, actually. But, yeah. uh, you know, he's my adversary, uh, but I got a lot of respect for him because he's a top attorney. handled a lot of top cases in in uh, this city, Philadelphia, and some other areas. So, um, Jacobs are both. Jacobs yeah, Jacobs, I know. I don't, I don't, you know, I wasn't involved with him, so. Jacobs, Jacobs was, uh, Jacobs was tough. Um, you know, he was, he was tough. He had the right questions and, um, you know, and, uh, listen, like I said, I mean, I mangled that case. I, I mean, it's embarrassing. That is embarrassing. I mean, I, I, I mangled, I mangled that case. I mean, guys that were supposed to get serious time. Not that I, I don't want anybody to go to jail, but they had to let him go. I mean, not let him go. They took a felony, but no. I mean, I mangled it. I wow. I, I I committed Hobbs robbery. Oh, you luck. Oh, you're lucky, man. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, I'm 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 the luckiest guy in the world. Oh, I man. say it now. I mean, um, I had a Hobbs robbery while I was cooperating, gambling. Uh, I, I, I mean, if I gave you my rap sheet, I mean. I so you did pretty good with two years. No, I well, take you, that back. Right. You know, honestly, yeah. he did because yeah, yeah, you did pretty good. Yeah. I know guys pretty that good. got caught lying and got like extra six, seven years for that. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, forget about it. I could, I, I, I shouldn't have, I literally shouldn't have had an agreement. It should have been torn. And, and you have, and, and you have kids now, right? How, I, I, how, I, I, how, how old are your kids? 11 and five. All right. So you, you need to uh, obviously do the right yeah. thing by your kids and, uh, yeah. and, that, that, and do the right, you're, you know, listen, nobody's perfect over. in life. Yeah. And, you know, people Not. that throw rocks, I guarantee you, if you throw a rock through their window, you'll see a lot too. But you know, you got to do the right thing with your kids now. You had the opportunity, yeah, I mean, I, and uh, that's where you start I, again. Yeah, you know, I, I believe me. I, you know, I'm sure it's hard for people to believe, but I'm done. I, I'm done. I'm done. I'll, I, I rather I, I'll live home. I'm not. I'm done with the crime. It's mm -hmm. over. I, I just. I won't speed. I don't want no problems with these people no more. I. I, I want them out of my life. Listen, they did right by me in the end. They didn't rip my agreement up. I did the two. Listen, they they had no choice but to put me in jail. I mean, you better I was take that hat off. You might have a problem. <laughs> he finds out you're wearing his hat. <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna yeah, say he don't like he don't like cooperation. <laughs> <laughs>
But yeah, I mean, I, I, I mangled it. I, I mangled the case and, you know, I felt bad. You know, a lot of manpower, a lot of money went into it. And, um, you know, listen, I, I mangled it. I did some bad things. I mean, I wasn't out there committing crime every day, but I did some stupid things. And uh, uh, I deleted, you know, I had a phone. So, so bad what I did. My, my wife, I had a phone and I'm home. I'm, I'm, I'm home where I relocated. And, you know, my agent calls me and said, listen, you know, mail us the phone. So I, I don't know. I was just bitter with them. I was always bitter with them. So I said, yeah, you know what? I'm going to mail them the phone, but I'm going to factory reset it before I send it. Oh, man. So I did. Well, you're, so mad at, you're mad at them because you're not really willing to admit yet that, yeah. you know, you're looking at them that they wrecked your life. You're not taking yeah. the blame yourself, saying they, you wrecked your own yeah. life. And, yeah. you know, that's understandable. I ain't no psychologist, but it's easy, you know, <laughs> psychology. And, then, so, to, so now, and now actually, not you, I can analyze you pretty good. <laughs> you shrink now. <laughs> so actually, so now on top of all the other shit I did, I just destroyed evidence that oh they needed. We were lucky. I, <laughs> oh my God. Destroyed the evidence. So wow. I mean I changed their mind. Know. They should have asked one of the agents should ask Stevie Cree, you know, can you add another fucking attempted murder trying <laughs> yeah. to kill this guy? Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was uh, but you know at the same time, I mean it just goes to show you everybody else had pled out. They could have ripped my agreement. That just goes to show everybody how important Joey was to them. That I mean, that's how important he was to the FBI. Hey, he's the only gangster left in Philly. It's like one the guy. He <laughs> wanted bad. Yeah. I mean, they they wanted him uh, badly. I mean, they wanted him. They, this was it. This was it. This it might have been their last chance. I mean, I don't know. Did they ever I mean, try to look, switch him over to New York? Did they ever try to make him like a captain in any five families? Did you ever hear about that? No, no, no. But, you know, and then, you know, there's always little tricks that go on with this cooperating. So now they're trying to get me to get him to go to Patsy and him take me. Because I'm going to get I'm going to get made in a second with him. I'm giving him so much money. I mean, that's going to be a no brainer. So he, he's very funny. And he says, Kujin, <laughs> why the fuck do you want to come with me? He says, you got the best of it, he says. You got me, you got Patsy, and you got Rooster. Who's bothering you, he says. Why you want to come with just me, he says. You have everybody, he said. Don't be silly. But, you know, he was right. You know, he was sharp. You know, the thing with me is that, that'll never happen to him again. He's not going to fall for three years or someone because the money, he's greedy. The money. He's all about the Benjamin. Well, I don't think he's greedy. I just think that he doesn't have a lot of money. So he, he he's, <laughs> he's always because he dollar. gambles a lot like crazy. He runs around. He likes to party around. You know, he oh. likes to have fun. He, he's like one. Of, he's one of those guys. He's not boring guy. I oh, mean, God, you know. No. So I know him since he was younger. You know, and, and I don't have a great relationship, but you know, we knew each other. But uh, you know, I stayed with Turchy and you know the, some of these guys that. So they, he, he has, has a reputation of having a lot of fun. I mean, you know, so when you're having a lot of fun and you're gambling, those two things means your pockets are empty a lot. So that gave you his vulnerability to get in with him, I guess. Yeah, he he um, he he likes to. Ha he's fun. Yeah, he's fun. I mean, listen, if you ask me, well, he's a far a far cry from Patsy. You got Patsy inside oh, that's uh, miserable. Uh, he wants to throw dots at himself, and you got Joey that wants to be in strip clubs. I mean, so, if somebody, yeah. if someone were to ask me no, who but, my favorite wise guy was in my career, there, 
It's him. Yeah. Yeah. All timers are like that, though. They're all oh, miserable, God. all bitter. You can't joke around near them. They got the mean mother face it. on all day. They sit there like that. You know, that, that's they're how all he, like yeah, that. Yeah, that's what he did. That's yeah. basically what he did all day. Felix, I mean, like this, look, the murder one face all day. Look. Yeah. I tell you, you all. Know, <laughs> maybe nine, ten o'clock at night after five or six bottles of wine, he might start loosening up. But, you know, like a guy like Joey. You know, you could break his balls. I mean, you know, you could literally have a little fun with him, you know, without him being that wise guy. Well, you know, I you said know. this I said this plenty of times on other shows and interviews. You know, Joe, I think Joey, the reason why he got well-liked, he's he's close with all his friends, some of his childhood friends. Oh, he was yeah. a regular guy to hang out with. They joke, they laugh, they play sports, they play softball, football, you know, different things. So, you know, they're regular crew of guys. It's not like, you know, you're considered like a mob guy with that mentality, he had a different mentality. So I think people, you know, took to him a lot and uh, he had that personality yeah, I mean, to play around. I, I liked him. I mean, I knew I was gonna like this guy on, in the first hour I sat with him. I mean, you know, the aunt, the, he's in every nightclub that you can imagine in Boca. <laughs> I mean, the entourage, I mean, it's just, they just, they just keep coming. They just keep, I, I swear that they're sending out mass texts because we used to go to the cigar bar. He used to call me up and say, Cougine, let's go to the cigar bar. You know, have a, I want to have a couple of beers. So before you know it, I mean, there's like three of us in there. And then there's a hundred of us. <laughs> I mean, and he loves it. I mean, he loves it. He's a, he's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, he's a character and people people love him. Women, women, forget about it. They love him. They love yeah. him. That was another... Uh, it wasn't a slip up. I mean... The, the defense lawyer baited me into it and they didn't get the answer they wanted. So they're talking about this drug drug rep and they're saying, well, you know, he doesn't even know that he doesn't even know this girl. How can you say that? I said to the, to the, to Jacobs, I said, he doesn't know her. He called me to his house one day and said, take that girl's number out of his phone. He got caught fucking her. <laughs> I said, so what do you mean? He doesn't know her. <laughs> and that made the front page of every, every paper in new york that and he went to the new york post after the, that day in court and begged them not to put the girl's name in the story but you know they're not gonna he doesn't to mind him. if they put in two murders but he doesn't want a, a <laughs> right. sex scandal that's priceless too he was a lot of fun and uh put you know so was rooster rooster was rooster was an all-time but all-timer but yeah, we gotta hear this Let, hold on one second let's hear this yeah. let's hear this call No, I'm on the air right now. We're doing a show, but you're calling from prison, so it's not a bad thing because we're talking about how to stay out of jail. Oh, all right. <laughs> no, I was telling somebody else about something else. I wasn't saying bullshit to you. Uh, well, I, I'm on radio right now, and you're being listened to across the country. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Tell so, so I said hi, okay? All right, well, t I'll talk to you after I get off the air. I hope everything's good over there. And, and, and yes, the commissary's in and the tablet money's in. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, you're I welcome. Love you. love you. See you. I'll call you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. So, 
<laughs> and I'm trying to reach a lot of kids, right? And honestly, it's good to have that on, on the air because absolutely, absolutely. Uh, that's my oldest son. So everything that we're trying that I'm trying to do, I try to keep it real with him too. So he never goes back there again. And, uh, you know, so I understand. Listen, and that's why I'm talking about kids all the time, because, you know, the last thing you want to see is any of our kids go back in your child. Uh, or, uh, and, uh, you know, the me, message got to be real. You know, you it's know, all I, joking. It's fun. Some of the stuff we laugh. You can't say like, you know, I'm trying to be as honest as I can to the public. And you can too. be, you know, a lot of the, the times you have with a guy like Joey, because Joey's a fun guy. When we used to hit the street, we had a good time, all of us on the street, you know, partying, drinking after hours, girls. But that's not the reality of the life. That's just that little fraction of what See, everybody oh, sees. Yeah. The rest, 99.9% is misery, treachery, yeah. murder, not being able to sleep, people trying to kill you, uh, the FBI all over you trying to lock you up constantly. It's no way to live. And, and you know something, John? It, it's funny you said that because you're right. It's a very small percentage. But even those times where you are having fun and you're out there, it, it's still tension. It's still, you know, it's still, it's fun, yeah, and all. But you know something? It's 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 not fun. It's not normal fun. This, I guess it's jail day. I'm sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> All right, go ahead. No, we're not going to take this call. No. Another jailhouse call. I get a lot of what them, I, actually. What I was going to people that I try to talk to and help and set them straight, really. So that's one of them. Let me just run the quick ad from okay. Manscaped. I want to ask you so many's done, John. So support no. support for the Johnny and Gene show comes from Manscaped. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. John, we can uh, we'll hook you up over there, and you're in Vegas. Yes. I will give it some manscape after that. But they have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. And their Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the Essential Lawn Mower 3.0, which is a waterproof cordless body trimmer that has a ton of other liquid form formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest shave as well. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. And thanks to their advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped, they will help you do so. You can also adjust to get a length that you like, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. Go to manscaped.com today and use promo code JG, and you'll receive 20% off and free shipping. Again, go to manscaped.com, use that promo code for the show, JG. You'll receive 20% off, free shipping. Go check it out today. Gentlemen, your balls and I guess your chest hair will thank you. I think that 3.0 don't use that if you're using that wire on your balls. You want it to, <laughs> you want it to grow so they can't see yeah, it. Yeah, right? Yeah, make sure to check out uh, Eli Sports till we got the uh, the good picks here. All right, EliSports.com. Gene, you had, I know you had a question for, for John. Yeah, you know, John, uh, what you were saying about Joey Molino partying and everything and people looking at that and loving that, I could relate to that because that's how I got influenced by it. And also, when I became the guy and I was partying and going out, I had the younger kids wanting to get down with me because they seen just that. But I also tell them what comes with it. You know what I'm saying? There's so much more that comes with that. And I like that you said that. It's so true because they get caught up on living the high life. But there's so much more that comes with living that high life. You know what I mean? So you know, that's such was, a good thing that they need to really see that. Yeah. That's a small part of it, like he said. That's nothing real. That's not the mafia. That's just a small little piece of it. 
Well, he took right. 300000 off of his guy. <laughs> so he didn't party around with, like, if people are listening and thinking it's 2000 or 5000 right. He was drinking champagne in every major every major strip club and club in Miami. 300000 worth. When I was doing scores, I was doing big scores, you know what I'm saying? So kids seen yeah. that, but I says, you know, I'm risking 20 years, 30 years in prison for these scores, you know what I mean? And things is... I was robbing gangsters on top of it. So, you know, yeah. and you got beef I also. <laughs> so, I know. one guy told you know? me, wait, one guy goes, he goes, when you, I thought wise guys meant you couldn't touch them. He goes, I guess you just didn't follow it. I says, no, I didn't. And I says, those are the guys I went after. Right. <laughs> but, Gene, you make, you, you make a good point because, yeah, that three, four hours at night was, was great. It was fun. But the other 10 hours during the day of him com constantly texting me, Kujin, I'm down on my luck. Kujin, my kid needs a Mac. Kujin, we got to get something going. Who do you got tonight? He wanted to know who I bet that night cause so he would know if I won. Wait, <laughs> so his urn was betting sports? That's was his, That was his urn? He, he hooked me up with a couple of bookmakers out there. And again, at that point, I don't know anything about Joey Molino other than that. I don't know his MO. I, I don't know that he doesn't pay anybody. I don't know that he just his biggest hate in life is bookmakers. He he said it. He doesn't pay them. <laughs> he thinks that they're worth they're the worst criminals in the world. He said he doesn't pay them. And I period. guess he wasn't he wasn't a bookie. I don't understand that. That's no. crazy. Well, <laughs> what happened was is you know he hooked me up with a, a couple of, of of good bookmakers there, and I, I lasted about three days, and you know they didn't like the work. They, they chased me, whatever the, the case may be, but. I didn't know what his, you know, and I and I was happy to get the accounts because I was also gambling behind the FBI's back too. I was still doing my sports business, so I didn't mind to give them because I needed the accounts. But you know, he then I didn't have any accounts through him anymore. But he knew I was still gambling, so every day would be like, "Who do you got? Who 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 do you got?" And you start to realize that he's not rooting. He's not rooting for me because he likes me. He wants to know what my figure is at the end of the week so he can grab what he can grab from me. So, you know, and, you know, like I said, the Mac, the FBI ended up buying, buying the firm, you know, tribute, you know, but he always, always wanted money. Yeah, they that all do. was the topic of discussion with him cool. is I need this. I need that. I, and it was not a hundred dollars, Gene, John, it was, I need five dimes. I need 5,000. I can't, bro. I used to tell him, you're not talking about a couple, you're asking for five, 10,000 10, at a clip here. I used to tell him, are you crazy? Oh, man. So, oh, he's like Vinny Asaro. I got, no, oh, God, so crazy. I mean, he oh, never has money. He's like Uncle the Vin. Fig, oh, the figures man. that The figures that he used to ask for were like, I mean, come on. I no, mean, he's geez. never going to have money is because he gambles the way he does. So, you know, I don't know any gambler that has money. I mean, I grew up, but my father was a big gambler. So you, you have those times when you hit, but overall, you're always digging in in a hole. So, Hey, John, yeah. I, I have a quick question for you as well. Um, just yeah. going back to, to cooperating, I mean, was there ever a fear for you? Um, Are you wearing a wire? You're really trying to find out how you do this. I think, it, I, I think it's interesting. I, no, 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 I'm kidding. Uh, but do, is it like, um, I'm just trying to get into like the, the psychological part. Is there uh, a constant paranoia? I mean, do you, are you fearing that the people that you're, you know, trying to catch on tape, if they find out that you're wearing a wire, are they, you know, could they hurt you? Is there, is there, you know, were you ever close or maybe there was a slip up or something like that? Uh, 
it, the first six months, I was petrified. Yeah, yeah. I mean, petrified. Like, I knew that they couldn't see it, but I felt like they could, and just completely petrified. I mean, I, I would I would go in the bathroom sometimes at the restaurant and just, like, shut it off, and, and not because I was hiding. I was literally shitting my pants. I mean, and I would put it in my car. I, I just I wouldn't do this anymore. I, I couldn't do it. And then I, I got to be honest with you, after that, you start realizing that it's not even there anymore. You don't even know it. Be, it just becomes it becomes habit. But there was one instance that, um, yeah, I, I was a little worried about that. And the FBI had to had to act. Actually, there was um, Patsy uh, liked to play music in his restaurant, you know, and um, he was always complaining about the speakers. And you know, so we had this like weekly meeting. You know, had to go into the FBI office. You know strategize all this other nonsense and so we came up with this idea that we were going to tell patsy we have a gift for you we're going to put speakers all over your restaurant <laughs> so now keep in mind i mean uh you know somebody else asked me this i mean you know amazing that i was able to get away um, I, th this is how trusted i was i mean by these people i mean nobody i'm sure that this came as a major shock to 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 everybody that that got arrested i mean nobody ever even questioned me no nothing i never got patted never asked so it's got to be done after hours when he closes so he gives me the keys to the restaurant i mean go ahead yeah thank you i appreciate it so he had a lot of meetings in the basement you know when he wanted to scold people or you know it was in the basement fucking dreary basement too Man, scary, scary place. When he called you down there, man, I used to shit my pants, even though I knew <laughs> nothing was going to happen to me, but it was scary. Anyway, so now they're putting these, I'm going in after, it takes about a week. They're, they're putting speakers in. I mean, they're putting good speakers in. They're also putting wires everywhere. <laughs> I mean, everywhere in the restaurants. So July 1st to July 10th for the last 20 years, Patsy closes the restaurant for renovations and he does it all himself. He doesn't hire anybody. I mean, the guy's a bull, 70 years old. I mean, he's just a bull. So and you don't want to pay for they it. Either. Have, yeah, <laughs> they have they have like, you know, which all of Arthur Avenue does. I mean, you know, in the restaurants, they have like a rat problem, you know, not my, not my kind of rat, but real <laughs> rodents. <laughs> Um, so he's ripping everything apart. He's ripping. He's going to put new ceiling tiles in. And then here come the wires. <laughs> so now he calls me and I said, oh, man, I'm fucked, man. I'm, I'm going to get killed. So he says, you know, look what the fuck. We, you know, and he's like my friend. He says, look at what these motherfuckers did here, man. They they wired up the whole place. So he takes them down. You know, he takes them down and he. He puts them in, in like a cabinet. So he, he, he just briefly asked me, you sure you know those guys that installed those speakers? So I said, yeah, you know, a bunch of black guys that I know from the neighborhood. I said, you know, the DJs and stuff. Yeah, I said, they don't know what a wire is. And he says, uh, who knows when these son of a bitches put this thing in. It might be, you know, the cleaning crew let them in or something. So now I'm off the hook. So the FBI has to do something at that this point because there still might be suspicion. So... They send somebody from like the, the the building department and they give Buddy like this bullshit subpoena and, the, and they tell Patsy, you know, you have a couple of things that belong to us. So he goes in the cabinet and gives it back to them. 
and they leave. And the subpoena was a bullshit. It, you know, it, it went nowhere. It was just to try to distract them from me. And it worked. And then we never heard about it again. But yeah, in the beginning, there's it was the most afraid I've ever been in my life. Yeah. I mean, especially around a guy like him. Yeah. I mean, Buddy, I mean, Buddy was just to me. I mean, he was just a stone cold killer. I mean, that's it. And he was the type of guy like Gene. I mean, I've read a lot about Gene. I've talked to Gene. Persistent, persistent. If he wanted you, he, this son of a bitch was going to sit in front of your house for 10 days if he had to until you came out or I, until he found I you. I used to camp out with chips and a soda that, just sitting there like this. Look, that, that was it. <laughs> The other day I told him to come over. He waited two weeks to have breakfast. With yeah. I mean, like, and, and, the strange, and the strange thing about Buddy is, is, and, you know, I'm sure a lot of people, John, you said you know of him. I mean, this guy was the real, real deal. I My mean, father knew him. He was from Canarsie. Yeah. I think he's from Canarsie yeah. originally, though. If he wasn't, if he wasn't, I, he wasn't, I, uh, he's beast, I think he's from Canarsie. No, well, I'm talking about Buddy. Oh, I think it's the guy. Be, I think it's the guy. Beast. I mean, if you R. do some research, if you do some research on Buddy, I mean, this guy was the real deal. Like, I mean, tough, 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 tough guy with his hands, kill you in a second, and he never got close with anybody. And by some miracle. I became like his priest. <laughs> I mean, he would tell me, you know, we would go in the pizzeria, Catania's next door. He would call me up and I'm talking about hours and things that you would never think if you knew this guy personally, you couldn't get a, a peep out of him about anybody. He was telling me people's positions and, you know, Danny Pagano just became the street boss of the Genovese at the time. You know, things that, you know, and I'm saying to myself, man, this guy doesn't realize that he's recording live here. I'm saying, you know, you know, and it hurt, it hurt him. You know, I mean, he, he got the brunt of him and well, Patsy got, Patsy pled to five years. I mean, which was a gift. That's nice. Judge, yeah. I mean, right. that's nothing really for what you, five what you years. do. Oh my God. Well, especially, especially that he had just done 10, 10 years ago, right. but the judge went over, the judge went over on him, gave him eight. Buddy got six, 60 months. Um, most guys did nothing. Rooster got three years. Joey got three years. Were you involved in a Stevie, Stevie Korea case or no? No, I wasn't. But um, he was because one of the guys he was plotting to hit, I think he got charged with, was that Sean's, Sean Richards that was around me a little bit. And uh, his, well, his, his, his father in law was the boss of the Cavacanti family, Riggy. Right. So I don't that, know. I don't really know what happened with him with this case, but I heard that that's that Mel that Melnish murder happened about two years into me cooperating, and you know I dug around for them because you really you don't have you know the problem is is that if they tell you to do it, you could you could go back and lie to them and say you didn't do it, but they're going to listen to the tape and know you didn't do it, so you might as well just get it over with and do it, you know. So I dug around and. I never, I, I never, never came up with Stevie or any of them that did it or anything like that. But I was cooperating when that happened, and um, well, we're going to address that murder on one of the shows yeah. we did. That's going to come I, out uh, shortly. We'll discuss I mean, it. Uh, My good friend was Ron, a part of that. Yeah, it, Ronnie <laughs> the Beast was very. Ronnie the Beast was was part of the Purple Gang, as was Anthony Zinzi. So they were close with with Melnish, but I never, I never met him. I don't, I don't know much about him or anything. But I was cooperating when he got killed. But, um. You know, and Anthony Zinzi was 
uh, another guy that was in that crew, um, Patsy's crew, right-hand man. Um, and, uh, you know. Hey, you know what I know? I want to say, you know what I noticed? A lot of the Purple Gang guys end up becoming uh, made guys. Mikey knows yeah. was a Purple Gang guy. A lot of them start off with Purple Gang and they go into the, into yeah. the mob, you know? A lot you of know. them. And Anthony Zinzi, you know, he did a, he did a, he did two murder bids. Uh, you know, he got out or whatever. I don't know, attempted murders, whatever he did. But he was an older man, and he was Patsy's right. And I probably going to get in trouble for this, but I've been in trouble my whole life. So I thought he got a raw deal. Um, we're getting sixty months because you know he, he was so old. He was harmless at that time, and I was doing some card games with him, and we had a rival club up the street, the the club that me and Patsy opened up, and. You know, they were in business 100 years, though, and we were having trouble getting customers. So one time Anthony Zinzi said to me, you know, it'd be nice if that fucking kid's car burns down, you know, get, get, goes on fire. It was a joke. But before I was cooperating, I didn't take it as a joke, and I wanted to impress these people because that's the mentality you have. I blew the kid's car up. Right. And... uh so for a guy that ain't violent, you did a little violence. A guy that doesn't well, do I mean, anything, listen, you blew a car I, up. So you beat you up guys, a bum almost to you, death. I think yeah. I think he got you some guys, violence. <laughs> you guys, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't hold a candle to your guys' asses. But listen, that's 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 to me. I just want to let people know that's not ballsy. That no. that doesn't mean you have balls because I let. No, there was no, no we're, in it. we're just making. I, yeah, joking yeah I know. I'm saying I threw some <laughs> gas in the car. I had two guys with me. Yeah. And they threw a match in it and it blew up. I mean, that's a to me, it's a pussy move, actually. Yeah. You know something? And that's what I want people to know. That's a pussy move. That's yeah. what it was. And I and I'm I'm man enough to admit it. Yeah. You know what? I should have slapped the kid. If that, you know, if I was a you know, lighting his car on fire, what did I prove? But I wanted to impress Zinzi. Yeah. So they ended up jamming this poor guy up because he made a joke and they and they put him away for arson. When yeah. I mean really, I mean it was a joke. I mean, uh, you know, it's too bad. Now, John, just to just to wrap things up, I mean, you know, just to go back to, I guess, um, the ultimate message of the show is to keep young kids out of crime and people that are in that crime life now even um, to get out. I guess, you know, talk about, I guess, your final message on uh, changing your life around and how, you know, maybe for, for that kid out there that doesn't really know how to get out or that kid out there that just got out of, of jail and is trying to stay away from that, that life again and going back into it. Um, do you have a best piece of advice on how you've dealt with it, how you've integrated as a, you know, normal member of society again? Yeah, I, I came home. Um, I was, I was messed up, you know, I couldn't sleep, you know, it took me a while to get adjusted. I mean, uh, I spent six months in the hole, you know, 24 hours a day in, in, in MCC. And it took me a while, but I was depressed. But, you know, John gave me some advice the other day and, and I have used it previous to that is that I look at my boys and I will never ever leave them again, ever, ever in my life, unless I pass away, God forbid or something, but it won't be for crime. And people need to know that when you get out, you, you asked me about people that just get out, you do have people in your corner, you know? You may not think so, but you got family. Somewhere along the line, you have family. Someone's gonna support you. And I could tell everybody that 13 to 40, I committed crime, I was, I was a bad person. 
40 to 45, which I am now, I've never been happier. I, I love my kids. I have a better relationship with my wife. I have a great relationship with my wife. I wasn't there for my kids. I mean, you know, my wife was raising them. I mean, that, that's the message. And, and you have to get out. It, 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 you have to get out. I don't care what you're making, what kind of power you have. You just got to realize that, hey, listen, if you're going to stock shelves, you're going to go home at night and you're going to go to sleep and they, you don't have to look over your shoulder. I mean, that's that's just the bottom line. My father told me when I got out and there was no more dis man disappointed in me than what I did and stuck by my side, God rest his soul, in spite of putting his best friends away, came and visited me, dying of emphysema on the oxygen machine, supported my wife while I was away. And he used to call me every day when I got out of jail, every day, every day. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Just don't go backwards. You'll figure it out. And in the end, these kids or adults that are in the life, you will figure it out. It's called human nature. You'll figure it out. I, I figured it out. And knock on wood, I'm not rich, but I have a decent home. I have a car. My kids have what they want, and I'm comfortable. And I can leave my house. I don't have to worry about any sirens anymore. You know, I have to worry about getting killed maybe, but <laughs> uh, I don't have any sirens worrying about that. And it's just, it's a happy life. And my father was right. And he was right my whole life. I'm sorry I, I didn't listen to him more often, but he really was supportive when I got home. And he said, you'll figure it out. Go to Home Depot, go, go to Lowe's, get a job. That's it. You'll be happier, he said. You'll be a better father. You'll be a better husband if you just do what I tell you to do. And he was right. I mean, yeah. he was right. Well, thanks, John, for everything. And yeah. We appreciate Thank you. You know, Thank you. We wish you the best. And it's a good message you. to the kids and the people that are listening, uh, people that want to follow me. It's uh, my website, johnelite.com. My new Instagram is johnelite.officially. And... Uh, alightsports.com for the people who are looking for the winning bet. And uh, Gene, what's your uh, Instagram? Geneboy666. Yeah. You can follow me. People and mine feel is, very intrigued. Mine by is that. at Felix.Levine. <laughs> and, and you can How follow... fitting. <laughs> yeah, we got to change fitting. that. <laughs> and, uh, and then the Instagram for the show is uh, the Johnny and Gene Show. And uh, follow us. Make sure you follow us on YouTube, of course. Subscribe there. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much, John, for taking the time. And uh, we wish you, you the best. Thank you for having me. And I just want to let John and Gene know that uh, I got the utmost respect for you guys. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to call you friends, really. I mean, I really do. Thank I mean, you. The, Appreciate thanks, that. I'm not, blow, I'm not blowing smoke up anybody's. I really do. Uh, you know, you guys are class acts. Thank you. Really. Thank you, We man. appreciate it. Just yeah. keep passing it to the kids. Thanks. Take care, boy. All right. All right. Thanks. See you.